this morning or evening or middle of the night. Depends on when you're watching the service video. Uh, but it's great to see you again on this beautiful Sunday morning in lockdown. And wherever it is that you are uh, and however you're doing these days, we pray that uh, God is blessing you and that you are laying down your own desires uh, to do things like go outside and go to work and go to the store um, and giving those things over to the Lord and just allowing him to prove to you again in your life that at the end of the day he's all you need and I hope you're experiencing that if not go ahead and ask the Lord to help you to experience that and please join us in prayer as we start off our service before we worship together good father we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you that even though we can't physically get together, that we can still worship together as a church and as a body, and that new folks can join us for that worship as well. We thank you for the fact that you are watching out for us in the craziness and chaos of this world and the current situations that we're all in. Pray that you would help us to lay down everything at your feet. Our schedules, our hopes, the plans we had for this year, this summer. Pray that you'd help us to lay that all at the altar, so to speak, and be reminded that you are everything that we need. And I pray that you would help us to set all that stuff down, even now, as we're praying this prayer, and as we prepare our hearts for worship that we can love you with all our mind, our soul, our heart, and our strength. We thank you. We declare that you are a good father, Lord. And we thank you for that. Good father, it's who you are, it's who you are. 
especially during these days, we pray that you would fill us again with your presence and help us to focus in on you and not on everything that's happening around us. I pray that this week you would allow us to put aside more time to spend with you and that we would be experiencing you on a deeper level. You would build that desire in us if it's not already there. And that this, we could look back at the quarantine lockdown period as a time where we were really able to draw closer to you, where we were able to draw closer together as family, and as a time where you did a lot of really great things in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. You were the word at the beginning, one with God and the Lord most high, hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is.
surrounding me, let it break at your name still. Call the sea to stand, the rage in me to stand. surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to stay the rage in me to stay everywhere at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus
Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross so that we can be part of your family and raising to life again so that we can have that same resurrection power. As you went back to the Father and the Father sent us the Holy Spirit, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us always, no matter what's going on in our lives. And we pray that you would be that peace storm in our hearts, that you would call the seas to still inside us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live within us. We don't have to go searching for God. We don't have to beg on our knees to some God who's far away and we hope he hears us. You are right within us. We thank you that, God the Holy Spirit. that you would help us to get better at letting you out. It's not that we need more of God in us, it's that we need to let God out. So Holy Spirit, we give you reign in our hearts today. Pray that you would open up our hearts to be able to hear what you have to share say to us today and share to us. Help us learn how to live in your peace and to say no to all the stress and anxiety and fear that the world tries to offer us, especially these days. We can say no to all of that and yes to you. In Jesus' name. All right, everybody, just a couple quick announcements for you before we get into the word. Uh, Zoom, a lot of you by this point have heard of Zoom, and it is a video chat and video conference call kind of program. It's free, and we'd love for you to be able to download that on your phone. It's very easy to use on your phone, but it can be used on a tablet or a laptop or a regular computer, anything you want. Um, even if you don't have a working webcam, you can log in and just listen to folks and watch other folks. Uh, we just won't be able to see you, which is okay. If you have a bad hair day, that's fine. Uh, we'd still love for you to be able to join. Um, and so we're going to do that right after the service here. We have lunch every week after the service together, and a lot of people have been coming, and it's been really cool. And also before the service every week, the guys groups and women's groups are meeting. Uh, the men meet at 9, and the women meet at 9.45. And that's been going well too. Uh, in fact, the Zoom things have been going well enough and people are feeling like they're getting some of their fellowship needs met in the midst of this lockdown where they're missing that. And so we're gonna start doing another one. So this week, Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're gonna try to do another meeting and just see if uh, it's something that people wanna do. We're gonna give it a shot. So this Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're also gonna do another Zoom meeting and we'll send you out um, an email reminder about that, but be thinking about that for Wednesday night, particularly for those who maybe have a hard time catching it live on Sunday morning. You could join us and get some fellowship and get some prayer needs met on Wednesday night starting at 7. So I hope to see you there. Um, also hope to see you on Facebook. You know, if you have, if you don't do a lot on Facebook, you could maybe start uh, with the Lydia House page and we have a prayer group on there that you can join if you want to post privately um, some prayer requests. I know sometimes we have prayer requests that 
we don't really want them to be public uh, where everybody can just read them. So we have a private prayer group where you can go to post those kind of needs and have people pray for you. If you are um, interested or needing that, as well as a place where you can go to pray for others. And that's a good thing to keep in mind these days, is even though we ourselves all have a lot of needs and prayer requests, we also want to be mindful to pray for others. Uh, if we're not praying for others and reaching out and trying to help others, uh, we, we humans tend to quickly become pretty selfish and spiral uh, in the wrong direction. So we want to try to stay away from that if, if we can. Um, it's also really helpful to us if you guys can repost things like Facebook posts, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you might be involved in as far as social media goes. Reposting those lets all of the people who follow you know about Lydia House and about the different sermons and or whatever it is that is going on. And uh, we're starting to get some new views from people who've never been to this church or even heard of it, and they're starting to watch uh, the services and what's going on. So it's a great way to extend God's influence through this small church, because there's nothing to stop a small church from having thousands and thousands of people uh, being involved when you're talking about doing things online. And so uh, please do post and share it with your friends and uh, spread the word. Also, giving is still happening, and we appreciate that. You know, all the same expenses as before <laughs> uh, exist for Lydia House, and so we appreciate your continued support for that. Uh, and also for uh, Harvest Water Africa, as uh, particularly in Uganda, they're, they're really struggling right now. So we, we thank you for that. And I want to pray in particular for Dan and Heidi Rowland. Um, you guys know them. They've been coming for a while, and they are headed out west. This will be their last Sunday uh, joining us from the Twin Cities, at least for a while. Um, they're not escaping. They <laughs> planned on doing this before the whole quarantine thing. Um, but since it is their last Sunday here, you know, we have a tradition of laying hands on folks and praying for them to send them off. And unfortunately, we can't physically lay hands on them today, but I would like you to join me in prayer uh, for Dan and Heidi Roland as we send them out virtually right now. So please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for Dan and Heidi. We thank you that they are your servants and they are very eager to partner with you in what it is you're calling them to do in this world and that they are willing to go when they feel you're telling them to go and to do something new. And so we pray that you would protect them and bless them, Father God. I pray that you would be very, very close to them during this time, that they could really hear your voice and follow your leading. Um, I pray for Dan, who's been struggling with some health problems. I pray continually that you would heal him, Father God, once and for all, 100%, uh, to the point where he can then share testimonies and give healing uh, to other people as well. And we pray for both of them uh, as they miss friends and family and church connections. Pray that you would be the one to take care of them during this time. And also, Lord, I know that you're preparing um, their way before they even go. And so I do pray that you would be preparing friends and people who can bless them and encourage them on their way. And if at all possible, Lord, help them to be able to keep in touch uh, with Lydia House. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And actually, while we're praying, I just want to pray for everybody and our families for healing for all of us uh, and protection against this virus and all the other stuff that's trying to come against us and the church right now. We pray for that healing and protection. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And we also pray for peace. We're going to be talking about peace today as I share the message in just a minute. And so let's just pray right now. And I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to 
take all of that concern and worry and all those situations that are weighing heavily on your heart and I want you to take those and I want you to picture yourself just putting them up on an altar before the Lord. So set your worry about jobs and finances and school, your worry about loved ones getting sick, maybe dying, your concern about the world, the country, all the specific things in your own life, your own family. Just imagine yourself taking all of those worries, anxieties, fears, stresses, put them up on the altar before the Lord. And I want you to just leave them there and picture yourself just stepping back now and sitting down wherever you are. And I, But I want you to leave those things on the altar before the Lord. And during the message, we're going to talk about how to cast our anxieties on him. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would now fill us with your peace. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no logical sense why any of us could be at total perfect peace and joy during the craziness that's happening right now in the world around us. But we can. We can, thanks to you. So, Lord, help us to walk into that. We receive that peace. In Jesus' name. Hello, everybody. Pastor Nate here. And... No, I will not be wearing this mask for the entire sermon, but I did want to start out with this on um, as sort of a statement, uh, comment kind of thing. Um, we're an international church, so quite a few actually of us grew up in Asia, and those who did know that, or have lived there or spent time there, know that in Asia, when people are sick, they wear masks like this, so that they don't get other people sick. Um, in America, we think of wearing masks as something to protect ourselves, but in the Asian culture, wearing masks is a way to protect other people. It's an act of kindness towards everybody you come in contact with to wear a mask. And now the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and the government, both the president and the governor's office, are encouraging that anytime we go out in public in an indoor place, like going to a clinic, if we need to go to the doctor, or going to a gas station, going to a grocery store, pharmacy, that sort of thing, that we wear a mask if we're gonna be inside with other people. And the reason we do that, again, is as, act, as an act of kindness towards other people, um, to respect that we are trying to keep them healthy. And I encourage you to do that uh, Minnesotan, Minnesota, I'm not seeing a lot of it uh, lately. I went to Target a week and a half ago. I saw maybe six or seven people wearing masks, and that's it. Nobody else did. And all the announcements had already come through by then. But here we are inside a building, and nobody's got masks on. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why people chose not to wear masks, even though they've been asked to numerous times. Um, so I'm not going to go there. I, I tend to think it's probably pride. They just don't feel like wearing a mask because they're like, I'm not sick, I don't have to wear one. But I encourage us as members of this church that if you're going to go grocery shopping, if you're going to go somewhere else that's indoors, that you please do wear a mask out of an act of kindness and love to the people you're going to come in contact with. When I was at Target uh, a week and a half ago, 
I was a little disappointed in Minnesota for, for not doing as good of a job. We've been doing a great job at social distancing and stuff like that, so I don't know why um, the ma masks were aligned, people weren't willing to cross. I don't understand why that is. But uh, a nurse came up to me and she stopped me and she was visibly upset. And she said, thank you for taking this seriously and wearing a mask. And you could tell she was upset. She's been in the hospitals, been in the clinics. She's having to deal with patients who are really, really sick. And you could tell she, she was upset that people weren't wearing masks like they've been asked to, because that really will make a difference to help slow the spread of this disease. And even later on down when it's flu season or when coronavirus comes back again, which might be the same time, we don't know yet, but um, doing these kind of simple things for one another, like wearing masks, um, is really helpful. So I encourage you to do that. But that brings up the whole coronavirus question and the fact that things are pretty crazy nowadays. I'm gonna take this off. This is an old mask. Whew. Now I'm hot. Um, I should have worn a homemade one. Those are much more comfortable. This is one of those N95 masks. Um, they really limit your oxygen and make you hot. Um, this is a super old one that I've used for painting and stuff like that for years, and I dug it out. Um, and that's what I've been wearing when I go to the store and things like that. But I know nowadays a lot of people are a little fearful, a little nervous, a little concerned about all the stuff that's going on in the world, all the uncertainties. It brings with it a lot of stress. A lot of stress. And I've been reading about that, and there's been a number of articles lately that have come out. Um, one psychology periodical said that the majority of people that they polled, they were doing a bunch of calls and the majority, I think they did internet surveys actually also, and the majority of people that they polled said that they were undergoing extreme stress these days from the virus itself and fear about that or from this lockdown situation, uncertainty about the future, all that kind of stuff. There's so, there's so many things to choose from, aren't there right now? Um, for some, maybe it's even wearing a mask or seeing other people in masks um, just makes them nervous. So there's an extreme amount of stress out there among a lot of people right now. And even if it's not you, even if you're doing great, for other people, it is really difficult right now. And uh, another article that I read was talking about dreams. And it says a lot of people are having really vivid dreams right now. And that is a typical stress response as well from the brain. Um, they might be dreams of that involve a loss of control, um, dreams where you're trying to do something and you can't, things like that. A lot of people are having really vivid dreams even if they're not used to that. And there are other factors as well. Um, people have responded to different polls saying that they're, they're feeling depressed or, or feel like they're starting to get depressed from all this stuff that's going on. So these are real issues. This is, this is big stuff. And even if you are not experiencing the brunt of all those kind of things, you should know that the people around you probably are. Um, your family may be, and your neighbors, your kids, friends, parents, um, other people who are around you, your, your work colleagues that maybe you don't see that much anymore. Um, and it, for those of you who are from Minnesota, you know this already, but in Minnesota, it's very common when someone asks you how, are you do how you're doing, you just say, fine. That's, that's the response we're expected to give, even, I'd say even from people that we know well, even from family members and stuff like that. So I would encourage as you're talking to other people or interacting with them, 
that you say, how are you doing with all this stuff? I know it's pretty crazy. It's been, you know, really stressful around my house. Opening up like that, making yourself a little bit vulnerable and saying it's been stressful around my house gives them kind of a, an open door then to say, actually, yeah, it has been really hard. We don't even have toilet paper. What in the world? Um, or whatever the situation might be. So I encourage you to, to talk to other people and, and be, a, be a messenger of hope and of peace during these very difficult days. And I want to give you a quick illustration of the kind of stuff I'm talking about right now. Some of you have seen this before. So I've got two water bottles here, right? This is a proper water bottle full of water. It's got a cap on it. This is an empty bottle. Uh, there's nothing in it at all except air and there's no cap. So at any given time in our life, we are probably one of these two bottles. It's possible to be in a state in between, but it's actually difficult to maintain that. And we'll talk about that in a future week. But most of the time, we're one of these two bottles. And as life pushes in on us from the outside, like it's doing right now with all the crazy things and schedule changes and uncertainty, life presses in on us from the outside and threatens to crush us. And some of us maybe are feeling that, that pressure from the outside, that stress, maybe little shortness of breath, maybe a little something in the pit of your stomach a lot of the time, maybe you're not sleeping well or you're feeling real fatigued or one of these other things we've just talked about. Um, and as the world presses in on us, we feel that and how we respond to that pressure depends on which one of these bottles we are going to be at that particular moment in time. The Bible says that we are, we should be, in Corinthians, we should be pressed, but not crushed. Pressed, but not crushed. The world presses in from the outside. And yes, sometimes it's the enemy, but sometimes it's just life. You know, sometimes we get fired from our job. Sometimes there's a coronavirus or something like that. That's a pretty new thing, but, but there are things that happen in this life, in this world that press in on us from the outside. And the Bible says we should be pressed, but not crushed. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that by being this, by being the bottle that's full of water with the cap on. If you press this, it doesn't get crushed. I don't know how well you can see it, but I'm squeezing this bottle and the sides do move in a little bit. Maybe you can hear the noise, but it doesn't move a lot. And when I let go, it bounces right back, right? Now this bottle, if I press this, what do you think is going to happen? Obvious, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to get crushed. Sorry about that horrible noise, but that horrible noise is, is a picture of what it's like to be in this kind of a state when you get pressed and crushed. And right now, a lot of people are feeling really crushed by what's going on in this world around them or in their personal lives. And uh, I don't know about you, This doesn't look fun to me. If this is the state of your emotions right now, the state of your heart right now, it would not be a fun state. This, this is not a good place to be. This is where we wanna be, right? This is pressed, but crushed. This is pressed, but not crushed. Now, what's the difference between these two bottles? It's obvious, right? This one, the one that was pressed, but not crushed, which is what we're supposed to be, is full. It's full of water in this case, and it's got a cap on it. 
And as we go on the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the fact that this, this water, this liquid that's in here represents the Holy Spirit, which is a common motif in scripture of the Holy Spirit being referenced as water. And specifically, the um, gift of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit of peace. When we are filled with the Spirit, with peace, we can be pressed but not crushed by all the stress that's coming at us from around everywhere. And this cap is sort of like the, the stopper. This is self-control. If we have self-control in place and we're filled with the peace of Christ, no matter what crushes, it would be really hard for me to press this hard enough to actually pop the top off. I'm not going to try because I don't want to get wet, and I'm going to pretend I'm strong enough to do it, but actually I probably couldn't even if I tried. Um, it would be tough. And so no matter what the world does to press in on you, if you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, specifically walking in the peace that Christ gives us and exercising that self-control, you're not going to get crushed. But if you're not, if you've allowed yourself to get empty by the stresses of life and you're not walking in peace all the time, every day, it's very easy to end up like this where you're pressed and crushed. And I've been here numerous times in my life and I'm sure you have too. It is a very not fun place to be. Now, I'd like to look at some scripture, if you'll allow me. Of course you will. Um, I'm going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. And you can look those up and read them on your own. I'm just going to reference them. But in that passage, Jesus, or Peter rather, is talking about Jesus. And he's referring to Jesus as our cornerstone our cornerstone, and he quotes uh, multiple Old Testament passages that prophesy um, a cornerstone coming. And the cornerstone represents the, the stone in the corner of the building, which is the church, okay? It says, we are all living stones in this building, and Jesus is the cornerstone, the most important stone. Um, but I think there's other shades of meaning to what that means, what that represents for us that Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone in a first century building, these are, these are rock buildings, and they would sometimes shape the stones to be a little more um, usable. Because if you're making uh, uh, buildings out of just round stones, then you have to have a lot of mortar, and that's difficult and that's expensive. Whereas if you just try to knock off those round edges of a stone, they fit together better. And that was often the case. In fact, Jesus' father, Joseph, may have been a stonemason, and Jesus may have been a stonemason as well. The Bible says he was a builder. That's the term it uses, builder. And we've often thought of that as carpenter, as, as in building with wood. But there's actually not a ton of wood in Israel. And when there is wood, it's pretty expensive. So I personally think it's a little more likely he was a stonemason. But at any rate, um, buildings were often built out of stones at the time, especially if you couldn't afford bricks. Now, bricks could be used too, but bricks were more expensive because you had to create them. And in 1 Peter, it does not say that we are living bricks. It says we are living stones. And there's a reason for that. And we'll get into that another time. That's a teaser training. Uh, but it says we are living stones, each unique, each different. Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone was often placed in the corner of the building. It was often the largest, maybe heaviest stone. But the primary aspect of the cornerstone that made it special was that it was placed in such a way structurally that it bore the majority of the building's stress. Stress is an engineering term. And 
if you're building a, a building that has archways, doorways, ceilings, things like that, things tend to move from order to chaos in this universe through gravity, through weathering, through whatever means, buildings don't want to stay up. They want to end up collapsing. And a cornerstone is something that keeps those buildings stable because it bears their stress. Now, stress is an engineering term. We use that term all the time to refer to emotional stress, but it's actually originally an engineering term. And the word stress, I'm gonna read it here from my notes. Stress means a load, force, or system of forces that produces a strain or causes deformation. So a load, something heavy, maybe some of us feel like there's something heavy on us these days. A force, something pressing in from the outside, like I was pressing in on this, that was a force. Or a system of forces, maybe there's a bunch of stuff and it's all happening at the same time, and oh, so many, so many things pressing in and crushing us. Those things produce a strain or cause deformation. And a strain would be like when you crush this, it does come back, but it does, it moves it. It causes a strain on the bottle. And this is deformation. It's not shaped like a bottle anymore. It's shaped like a piece of garbage, right? And we don't want to feel like a piece of garbage. We want to feel full and not crushed. And that is what stress means in engineering terms. And now I think you can see why society took on the meaning of stress in terms of emotional stress as well, because it's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy. We feel pressed by things that happen in our life, circumstances that happen in our life, often things beyond our control. And that produces a strain on us, emotionally, mentally, physically even, and it can cause deformation. If we allow that to press us, to crush us, then it'll deform us. It'll make us feel like that water bottle. And that's what we want to avoid. We don't want that to happen. Amen? We can't stop, unfortunately, the things from happening in our life. We can't stop the bad circumstances. We can't stop there from being a pandemic right now. We can't stop the governor from telling a lot of us we can't work. Or if we can work, we have to work from home and we can't leave our house and do the things we want to do and the kids aren't in school and that creates a lot of stress of its own in my life and family. Um, we can't stop those things from happening. But we can control how they affect us. Those things are external. They press in from the outside. And Jesus longs for us to not be crushed by those things. But we can't stop them from happening. Um, and that's unfortunate because we would like to. We would like to just say, oh, Jesus, just rescue me from every bad situation. Pull me out of all this stuff that I don't like to do. Uh, my kids were working out the other day, and one of them is like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Can I please stop? Save me. Save. We said, no. And they said, save me. That's what we do when we are in uncomfortable situations, when we're pressed from the outside. And I'm not trying to belittle it. It's serious stuff, right? But what we tend to do is when something's happening that we don't like, when we're feeling crushed, when we don't like what's going on, we don't like how it looks ahead, we say, God, save me, save me, save me. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to pray. But what I am saying is that God doesn't promise to step in and rescue us from every problematic situation we're in. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God's going to do that. For some reason, Christians, particularly American Christians, 
have gotten this weird idea that God loves us. And so he'll step down and save us from any given situation. He'll pull us out of the situation or he'll miraculously stop the situation from occurring to rescue us. And that might be a lovely thought, but it's not biblical. It's not actually in here. What's in here are things like, in this life, you will have trouble. That's what Jesus said. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So in the world, we'll have trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world. What he promises us is he promises us victory by walking with us through the situations of our life. He doesn't promise us rescue. He doesn't promise to save us out of every bad situation we're in. That's what the little kid in us wants. The kid in us says, save me from having to work out. Save me from not getting dessert until after dinner. Save me from having to do this homework. It's really, really hard and I don't like it. I want to stop. And of course, again, I'm not trying to belittle these things, but I am saying that sometimes we do get a kind of an immature attitude about life. And I see this a lot in American Christians in particular, this idea that I don't like this, God save me. And when he doesn't, the problem is then people jump to all sorts of wrong conclusions and bad theologies. And I've had people say, I asked God and I prayed for months for him to rescue me from the situation and he didn't. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. It, this wasn't a time to teach them they were wrong. Um, so I just said, I'm sorry about that. I was going to pray for them. They asked me to pray for them. And they say, so I don't think God actually cares about me. He cares about other people because they have nice testimonies about what he's done for them, but he clearly doesn't care about me. Because if God cared about me, he would do what I wanted. And that is more than bad theology. At that point in that person's life, it's become heresy because it conflicts with the truth of God in their life. The truth of God is that he loves you and he wants the best for you no matter what. His affection for you does not change based on what you're going through in your life. That's silly. That's like saying when I tell my kids they have to eat their vegetables, I'm being mean. They sometimes say that or imply it or give me a look. <sighs> One of those, right? Um, but I'm not being mean by making them eat their vegetables. In truth, in truth, I'm actually looking out for their good and I'm helping them. But they don't see it that way. They don't realize that. And we're often the same way. We just want God to do what we want him to do because we're in pain or we don't like it. And that's just not the way it works. And that's not what the Bible says at all. And so we have to be very careful to fight against that kind of theology, that kind of twisted, twisted Christianity. It's, it's not the gospel. The gospel is, hey, in this life, you're going to have troubles, folks. This world stinks sometimes. Life is suffering. It's... That's just the way it is. If God did not spare his own son from the cross, why would we think he would spare us from everything that might hurt us in this life? All of the original apostles were martyred, except for John the apostle. Most of the second, third, fourth generation apostles were martyred too. Didn't God love them? Why didn't he reach out and rescue them? Because in this life, we're going to have trouble. And that's an extreme example. We're talking about martyrdom there. 
none of the stuff you and I are actually going through and talking about is anywhere nearly that bad. We're not talking about martyrdom. We're talking about other things that can be difficult. I'm not, I'm not downplaying the difficulty of them. But God's primary inclination, his primary desire is to be with us through those things. And the problem is, because we want him in our little kid brain, in our little kid brain, we want him to come save us. So then when he doesn't, we actually step away from him, which is the exact opposite of what we need to do. Because he promises us that he will always be with us in these situations so that we can be pressed but not crushed like this. He promises to stay with us. This is us filled with the presence of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace. And this is us without that. And the problem is when we don't get what we want, what we want is stop the crushing from happening, stop the crushing. But that's not going to happen most of the time. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray that. I, I'll pray that. God, rescue me from this situation. But God, if you can't rescue me or won't rescue me, or this situation is just something that I simply have to walk through, then thank you that you are walking through it with me. And please guide me as we walk through this situation together. That's what Jesus is pro promises us. He promises us that he will be with us if we keep ourselves full of him. He promises us that he won't leave us or forsake us. But the problem is when... God doesn't do what it is that we want him to do. We tend to distance ourselves from him and think weird things like he doesn't care about us anymore, which is just silly. It's, it's, it's so silly. And at that point, the devil's won, and he doesn't even need to do anymore because we've already separated ourselves from God, uh, emotionally speaking. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in terms of our new status as adopted children in his family. But that is exactly what the enemy is trying to do. And that's what he's trying to do with a lot of people these days during this whole coronavirus pandemic. He's trying to get people to step away from God instead of what we should be doing, which is running towards him. And if we have a difficulty running towards him, uh, I recommend getting on your knees and he'll come to you because he responds to humility. He draws near to the humble and resists the proud. That's what the Bible says. He, if you're practical, he will resist that. If you're going your own way, thinking your own stuff, he will resist that. But if you humble yourself, he will draw near to you. And so if you're having a difficult time emotionally feeling connection with God or drawing close to him because you're like, God, I wish you would just fix this situation and you're not and I'm mad and I don't like that. What I recommend is just tell him that. God, I'm really frustrated and I wish you would just fix this. And you're not. And it, uh, it bugs me. God can handle that. That's not blasphemy. That's okay to do. You Talk it out with him. Shout it out if you need to. Cry it out if you need to. And then get on your knees and humble yourself before the Lord. And he will, he will draw near to you. And he will help teach you how to stay filled up with peace. But this stress that we're going through right now as a culture, it's doing this to us. It's crushing us. It's deforming us. And it's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. And I'm going to use, in the next couple of weeks when we talk about this, I'm going to use the terms stress, anxiety, worry, even fear. I'm going to kind of use those four terms interchangeably because I think they're all part of the same thing. And fear might not sound the same thing as stress, but the response in our body is almost identical. It goes back to the amygdala, primarily, that part in our brain, which we talked about a number of weeks back. And when our body gets triggered with fear or stress or worry or anxiety, our brain releases a bunch of chemicals to try to 
help us through whatever situation we've just encountered. If it's a stressful situation, the brain will secrete certain hormones, certain chemicals to get us through it. Maybe we need a little more energy. Maybe we need a little more focus. Maybe uh, we need speed because we saw a snake and we want to run away from it. Whatever the situation is, that's the intent behind the way God created our brains and how it should act. The problem is, and that's a good, it, we were created very well, don't get me wrong. But the problem is, we weren't created to undergo stress all the time. And I'm talking, by the way, about good stress and bad stress. There's bad stress, coronavirus. There's good stress, planning a wedding. That sounds like good stress. But the response by our brain is almost the same. And it's a, that's a negative thing. Okay? And again, we can't stop the situations from happening. Well, I got to plan my wedding, right? But we can stop the stress from those situations from coming into our heart and crushing us. That's what we can stop. And so all of these stresses and anxieties, worries, fears, they're happening out here and they cause a response in our brain that is bad. And at, if we continually are in a state of heightened anxiety, which is often the case these days, according to what I've read, a lot of us are feeling stressed a lot of the time. And some of us feel physical symptoms of that. Maybe we feel hot or flushed or have a hard time sleeping or stomach issues. I, I mentioned a lot of them at the beginning of the message. Those are indicators of all these hormones and chemicals that are just washing through our body. And as it turns out, those things kill us. Those things kill us when we OD on them. And so many people, in my opinion, even most Christians, are allowing themselves to OD on these stress hormones and chemicals related to fear, worrying about things anxiety about stuff that's happening or not happening or what's going to happen in the future. And these hormones, when we experience them too much, they kill us. And the Bible talks about this 3,000 years ago, but medical science is actually finally catching up to it as well. Um, Proverbs 17.22, remember this one, Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So a broken spirit, when we let the cares of this world, the situations in our life come in and affect our heart, that dries up the bones. And that, that means physical, okay? That causes physical illness. Emotional, mental stress and pain causes physical illness. Now, to some people that sounds crazy or even new age or something like that, but it's actually not. If you study the Hebrew understanding of the human being, mind, soul, spirit are all connected. They're actually inextricable from each other. This is why when we die and go to heaven, we will, after the judgment, be raised from the dead. The physical body will be raised from the dead and resurrected because we were created to be both um, body and soul and spirit. All three. And we're not going to float around in heaven forever on clouds as disembodied spirits. That's, that's a Gnostic belief. It's heresy. The belief that the physical is evil and the spirit is the only thing that matters. That's actually heretical. The truth is body, soul, and spirit are all connected and they're meant to be that way. God created us that way and we will be that way with him in eternity. Jesus has a physical body still. Now, it's a pretty sweet body that can apparently walk through walls and doors and stuff, which is awesome. Hopefully, ours will be as well. I would like that. But it's still a physical body. They could touch him after he rose from the dead, 
They could feel his wounds, even from the cross, which left scars on his body. And so we're meant to be physical. The mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, they're all connected. And that's the Hebrew understanding. The Hebrew understanding is that we are all connected. All that stuff is connected together. And so one automatically affects the other. Of course it does. And so a joyful heart, a heart full of the fruits of the spirit is good medicine. And if we are sick or are worried about getting sick, this is probably the best preventative medicine that exists right now. And I think this is really important for us, especially in these days with this pandemic and the virus that's going on. I really think we need to learn to get rid of our stress and to walk in the peace of the Holy Spirit because a joyful heart is a good medicine. And we need that medicine. We need that preventative state. And we're going to talk about that more in coming weeks. But I really believe that if we can embody the things we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks, that we will be more secured against the coronavirus because our spirit will be whole and healthy. And that will translate into emotional, mental, and physical as well. This is the Hebrew concept of shalom. And we'll get into this more next week. Their idea of shalom, it's often translated as peace. And it certainly means that, but it means more than just peace as in the absence of war. It means more than peace as in just feeling nice and comfortable or something. It actually means something more close to wholeness. Shalom means wholeness. It means we are, we are whole. We are mentally whole and healed and at peace. We're physically whole and healed and at peace. We're emotionally whole and healed and at peace. All those parts of us are whole and together and operating well. That is the Hebrew concept, the biblical concept of shalom. And we translate it as the word peace. And that's what we're talking about right now, is how to live in that, how to walk in peace instead of all the stress and nasty stuff that the, our situations in life try to bring us. And so a joyful heart is good medicine. A broken spirit dries up the bones, okay? This is the broken spirit. And that dries up the bones, it'll make us sick. And nowadays, medical researchers have proven that this is absolutely true. The Bible proved it 3,000 years ago, but we won't, we won't get into a, a, a competition or a debate about that. I just want to go through a few of these here. And this is what uh, medical researchers and doctors today say these things are caused primarily by stress, as in like the number one or one of the number one contributing factors, okay? Heart disease. That's the number one killer in America. The number one killer in America is heart disease, and the primary cause of heart disease is stress. Believe it or not, some people don't, but they've proven it through many, many studies now over quite a few years. It's been a couple decades that this information has been, has been piling up, and now it's, it's irrefutable. Stress, the, the emotional, mental toll of having all those things pressing in on us, if we allow that in, instead of keeping it out, if we allow it in, that triggers our brain to release all those hormones, and those hormones wash through, and they destroy our heart. Pure and simple. Those hormones ruin the muscle of your heart. And it's the number one killer in America, and stress is the number one cause. This is serious stuff. Stroke, it's the number one cause of stroke, which is the number four killer in America. Uh, ooh, I skipped one, cancer. Researchers now believe that stress is one of the top causes of cancer, maybe even the top cause of cancer. And that seems hard to believe. 
because we, we're always hearing things in the media about this causes cancer, that causes cancer. Well, the one thing they can guarantee for sure that causes cancer is stress. The effects of anxiety, worry, fear over the long term in our body literally rips apart our DNA and causes that cancerous mutation to start to grow. And the more we live in that stress and walk in that anxiety or walk in that worry, the more that cancer builds. The number two killer in America. Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, suicide, all in the top 10 of things that kill Americans. Stress, anxiety, worry, this is one of the top causes of all these things, all these things. Even diabetes, which actually surprised me. I'm thinking, well, isn't diabetes caused either by having an unfortunately bad gene or by just eating way too much sugar? Isn't And those things are definitely causes of diabetes, but one of the primary ones they said is anxiety and worry and stress. The negative effects of all those chemicals, they just wreck us. They wreck just about every physical system of the body. And the rest of the list, actually this isn't the rest of it, this is just the ones I wrote down. There are tons. Obesity, headaches, chronic muscle aches and pains, asthma, chronic fatigue, depression, gastrointestinal problems, accelerated aging, insomnia, mental disorders, hypertension, and there's, there's tons more. Stress kills us, physically. A broken spirit dries up the bones. If we allow ourselves to go from what we're supposed to be to what the enemy would like us to be, and we're crushed, this broken spirit, this crushed spirit, dries up the bones. And that is not the will of the Lord for your life. The will of the Lord for your life is this. The joy of the Lord, good medicine, filled up with the spirit and with peace. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. And he wants to use anxiety and worry and fear in your life to ruin your life, straight up ruin your life, and literally kill you. That's what he wants to do. The devil wants you to just soak up all the stress from all the situations. Whatever it is that you ha happened, whatever your friend said, whatever you read, whatever happened to you, whatever your spouse says when they came home, the situation with your kids, all that stuff that presses in on you, the enemy wants to you to take it all in and internalize it. And that will literally ruin your life and eventually probably kill you or at least cause you extreme medical problems. And that is the Bible and that science, both. And we need to say no. We need to learn to say no to that. Because as it turns out, Jesus gives us a get-out-of-stress-free card. He does not want us to live in that stress. Remember, earlier I was talking about Jesus being our cornerstone. The big, heavy stone in the middle, or in the corner of the building, typically, um, that bears most of the stress. Well, that's what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants to be our cornerstone, or rather, he is our cornerstone, whether we realize it or not, but he wants us to lean on him. <laughs> the cornerstone is supposed to bear most of a building's stress, and Jesus, as our cornerstone, is also supposed to bear most of our stress. He wants to take that stress, that fear, that worry, that anxiety, he wants to take that from us. We're not supposed to take it in and just let it ruin us. If it gets in, we're supposed to give it to him. And ideally, we don't let it in in the first place. And we'll talk about that a little later. Jesus wants to bear our stress. He 
He is our cornerstone. That's part of his purpose. Another verse that talks about this is the passage where um, Jesus is talking about how he is come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Rest. Rest and peace are, are two names for the same thing that of what I'm talking about. Okay? Rest, peace, they're, they're basically the same thing. And so Jesus is saying, if you want rest for your souls and peace, we have to come to him to get it. And he talks about, Jesus talks about oxen that are yoked together. A yoke was a big piece of wood um, with like a hole like this and another one that would come on top and they'd lock it together to lock the necks of two oxen to one another. That was a yoke, okay? And Jesus said, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you'll find rest. Again, there's that thing about rest while being yoked to Jesus. Now, the purpose of oxen being yoked is work. People yoke oxen together to work, to plow fields, to turn the big uh, millstones in a mill, to grind the grain. There's, there's a whole host of reasons why people yoke oxen together, but it's for labor, for work. And Jesus said, my yoke will fit you perfectly. And my burden is light. Why is our burden light when we're yoked to Jesus? Plowing a field sounds like a lot of work. Well, it is work for sure. But Jesus bears most of that work. He bears most of the load. He bears most of the stress of that labor such that we can find rest even in our labor, even in difficult callings that God might have on our life for a season or for a time. Right now, we're all called to shelter in place, depending on when you're listening to this. We're all called to social distance and to be careful and to show love to one another by staying away and not touching each other and wearing masks in indoor public places and things like that. We can't stop those things from happening. That's a labor. It's, it's something that we have to go through right now. But if we remain yoked with Jesus, he will bear the stress of that situation. He will pull most of the load. And when we feel like we are getting really stressed out or bent out of shape, bent out of shape, okay, it's probably because we're trying to go our own way, where Jesus is like, nope, we got to go this way. And we're, maybe it's for a good reason. Maybe we're like, but there's a, we're plowing a field and we're going with Jesus and we're like, there's a big rock there. I don't want to go on that rock. We got to go this way. We got to go this way. And maybe Jesus is like, nope, we got to go through the rock. We're just going to plow right through it and break it. It'll break. Don't worry. I don't think that rock will break. That doesn't look like a breakable rock. That, I think we're in trouble. And Jesus, the older, the wiser, obviously the divine ox in this metaphor says, no, we're, we are going through the difficulty, the obstacle. And we try to pull and we try to turn and we're never going to do it because he's way stronger than us. And that's true with oxen. They yoke a younger oxen with an older experienced oxen because that ox knows exactly where to go and exactly what to do. And he is not going to move. The young one might try to turn or escape something or go a different way. And all they do is push against the yoke. And it's painful for them to do that. And that's us sometimes, I think. I think sometimes we are trying to push out from the path that we have to walk down. And sometimes it's an obstacle that Jesus wants us to walk through. And he's going to walk through it with us. And he's willing to take most of the stress and difficulty of that situation onto himself. He's not going to stop the situation from happening because that's life. In this life, we will have trouble, he says. But he will make it. Sorry, there's hair in my face. 
He will make it so that he doesn't leave us or forsake us and he bears most of the stress during that difficulty, during that situation or obstacle in our life. And so we need to learn to stay yoked to Jesus, to let him be our cornerstone, to give the stress and the worry and the anxiety to him. Next week, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not worry about anything. And God's not asking the impossible from us. We are actually supposed to not be anxious about anything, and we're supposed to not worry about anything. We can't do that in and of ourselves, but we can do it with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that was that is within us will help us so that we can get to the point where, honestly, we are not anxious about anything. And even in the midst of all the craziness that's happening like it is right now, we can say, I'm not anxious. I'm not worried. I'm at peace. And when we can do that, we can help other people. We can bless other people. I don't want us as the church to be spreading panic and spreading stress and spreading anxiety and be talking to people, did you hear this terrible thing? Oh yeah, did you hear that terrible thing? What about this terrible thing? You should be worried about that as well. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be ambassadors of his peace. In the armor of God, the footwear is the gospel shoes of peace. We take that peace with us everywhere we go. It's part of the armor of God. It's a very important part, actually. As we continue to walk down the road of life, to be walking in peace. Instead, I want us to be able to interact with people and talk to people and bless them and give them peace because we have been filled up with peace ourselves. And so we can spread that to other people. And so I want to end with, uh, end for this week at least, with, First Peter, you can turn here to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter 5, verses 4. Sorry, I've got to find the passage. First Peter 5, uh, 6 through 8. First Peter 5, 6 through 8. And I, and I spoke about this verse just a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm just going to mention it here as we, as we close out our service. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So don't exalt yourself. Let God exalt you at the proper time by humbling yourself. I like the under the mighty hand of God. I think that's Peter's way of saying, by the way, God can and will humble you if he has to. His mighty hand can humble you if you won't humble yourself. But Peter recommends, and Peter knows, by the way, Peter knows what happens when you walk in pride versus walk in humility. Okay, this is the Apostle Peter. And he says, humble yourselves. That's his recommendation. It's a really good recommendation in my experience because I too have had to be humbled. I too have walked in pride. I, I still do. I'm a prideful person. I'm a selfish person. But what I try to do is humble myself and ask for help to get out of those things. And so Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Remember, just because God might not be doing what you want, he still cares for you. Even if you are full of anxieties, he still cares for you. Even if you are in the midst of horrible situations and you don't know where the money is going to come from and your kids are here and, and somebody's sick, 
God still cares about you. And he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. What he asks you to do is to humble yourself and then to cast all your anxieties on him. And so when we allow those things to come in, when we get pressed from the outside, we can't stop the pressing from happening. We can't stop the situations, the bad stuff, the suffering. We can't stop that from happening. But we don't have to get crushed. Because when we let those things in, and we let our heart get full up with all that stuff, and our brains start going through the cycle of the anxiety response, the worry response, we can pause that, and we can cast that anxiety on Jesus. We can give it to him, and he wants us to. He wants to bear our stress. He wants to be the oxen that carries most of the burden for us as we walk through this life. He's the cornerstone that wants to bear our stress. So Peter says, cast your anxieties on him. And I've said this before, but the word cast there means hurl. It's like, throw it. If you've let that stuff in and it's poisoning you, you got to throw it at Jesus because he cares for you. And so let's do that now. I'm going to walk us through just a short prayer. And then I encourage you over this next week to take this seriously and to work on humbling yourself and to work on casting your anxieties on him. And this, you'll probably have to do this multiple times a day, maybe a lot of times a day, depending on how used to letting those anxieties and stresses in you are. This may be a 20 time a day thing, and I'm not joking about that. It was when I first started, which I'll share more about that next week. But when I first started doing this, I was doing it 20 times a day because I didn't realize how many stresses I was letting into my heart, how many anxieties, how much I actually worried about stuff. I would say spiritually, I don't worry about things. I'm concerned about things. I would use a synonym that sounded more religious. And God eventually showed me that for A, that's all just pride. Um, And B, I actually do have worry. And I did it frequently. And I let anxiety and stress into my life. And so it took me a while to get used to casting my anxieties on him. But man, does it feel much better. It feels so much better to cast our anxieties on him, to let that stuff fester inside of us because it literally kills us. So I'd like you to practice that over this next week, casting your anxieties on him after you humble yourself, and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you, give you a little tap on the shoulder. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you when it is that you're letting that stress in. Ask him to help you, he will. Turns out the Holy Spirit is actually really interested in helping you out. (laughs) That's why he came. Jesus said, behold, my father will send the helper. That's who he is. God, the Holy Spirit lives right here. You don't have to get him on the phone. You don't have to hope he answers the Zoom call. He's always here. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. You don't have to find him. And in fact, you can't run from him, even if you try. Okay? He is right here and he is your helper. He is not your judge and your accuser. The devil is the accuser, not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. The Holy Spirit is the helper. The Holy Spirit is the friend. The Holy Spirit is wisdom, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the Holy Spirit. That's who he is. We need to allow him out. Allow him to fill your spirit, fill your heart, instead of all that stress. And so I'd like us to practice that a little bit this week. And 
after, after next week, um, I might even touch base with a few of you and see how it's going. And some of you have heard this teaching before because I teach on this regularly because I think it is so incredibly important. And so I'd love to hear some testimonies from some of you about how you're doing with this. Maybe you heard about this a year ago and you've been trying it out and it's been helpful and you just need a reminder or whatever. I'd love to hear some testimonies about how you're doing with this stuff. But over the next week, I encourage you, humble yourself, cast your anxieties on him and cooperate with the help of the Holy Spirit about how to walk in his peace all the time. Because that's what he intends. This is what God wants for us. He wants us to be full of the spirit of peace. So that even when we're pressed, we're not crushed. So let's pray. Father God, we humble ourselves before you now. We confess that we have allowed ourselves to be anxious, to be worried, to be afraid. We admit that we have allowed the cares of this world to choke off the life within us. We confess that we have not leaned on you as our cornerstone to carry that stress and that weight for us. We, we confess that as we are yoked to you, walking through life's journey, that we have tried to go our own way and push a different way. We confess these things, Lord as we humble ourselves before you. And I ask Holy Spirit for every single person who is listening to this, no matter when or where or how they're listening to this, I pray that you would touch them right now with your supernatural power and help them learn how to cast their cares on you. Whatever their cares are, whatever those anxieties, stresses, fears, or worries may be. Teach them, Lord, how to cast those things on you. And right now, we just, I want you to think of at least one of those things. Maybe you're afraid of getting sick. You're afraid your kids might get sick, or your parents who are getting older might get sick. Let's just take that example. Father God, we give you this fear. And I, I'm a visual person, as I've said, so I picture myself literally pulling this out of my chest and putting it in the hands of Jesus or on the altar or on the cross, whatever, whatever metaphor I'm feeling at the time. And that's, that's not magic. That's just me because I'm a visual person. And so I picture myself pulling this out and saying, Jesus, here. I am, I'm concerned about my family getting sick. My wife works in the hospital. She has patients who are positive for coronavirus. It's a, it's a real thing. But I want to give that to you because I don't need to worry about that. I don't need to be stressed about that. But I'll admit that I think about it sometimes and those things press in and they offer me, hey, you should worry about this. You should worry about this. Lord, help me say no to that. Nope, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to live in your peace instead, Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit, help us to cast these anxieties on you, to give them over to you and to not take them back. And when we stumble and we start worrying again, we just cast it again and let it go. And it happens and maybe it'll be 20 times a day. But help us to walk through this and get better at this. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, and I guarantee after we're done with this series, I'm gonna really challenge you guys to try to walk this out, just to give it a shot. Give it a shot. 
Because if you really intentionally pursue this for one month, your life will change. And I guarantee it'll change. Guarantee. 100% guarantee. I'll pay you cash money if I'm wrong. I've, I've, I've given this uh, as a workshop or as a teaching in a number of different countries, a number of different states over more than 10 years now. And I've, in every case, I have said, I will give you $1,000 cash if you try this for a month and it doesn't work. And so far, nobody's come to collect. Because either they haven't bothered to try it or they've tried it. And lo and behold, the Holy Spirit is the helper. And he's helped them to live in this and to walk in peace. And we're going to talk more about how to do that next week. Get into some nitty-gritty details about what to do in, in these different situations that we find ourselves in. So thanks for joining us. God bless. And please join us next, as in right now, uh, if you're watching Sunday morning anyway, with uh, we're meet, having lunch on Zoom. So please join us on the website. There's specific instructions. Uh, LydiaHouseChurch.org. There are specific instructions on how to join our Zoom lunch. And it's been an awesome fellowship time. Uh, a lot of us have been on there um, every week, and it's just, it's really fun. It's a fun way to fellowship, especially given that that's our only option really right now um, in lockdown. And if you haven't been able to check out the Zoom chat, I encourage you to check it out. And you don't have to talk if you don't want to. You don't have to turn on your video if you don't want to. You can just listen. You can even mute your mic and your video and just sit there and listen if you want. No pressure. Um, this is something both for introverts and extroverts, so I encourage us to join. Encourage you to join us at lunch, or if you're listening to this and it's not a Sunday, join us next week. We also have um, the guys and the gals both meet before the service as well, so you can check out the website. So God bless. Live in peace in Jesus' name.